Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. If you thought baseball games were sparsely attended before the pandemic, you would be correct. Of course, no disrespect to this week's guest, TK, a.k.a. Terrence Kennel, who serves as Houston Astros Strength and Conditioning Rehab Coordinator. In this episode, you'll find out just how in shape you actually need to be to play baseball. You can be a slob and be a pitcher, sure, but can you be a genetic trash can and be an outfielder? While making fun of America's pastime has always been our favorite pastime, we truly do have an appreciation for these specified athletes. Here, TK discuss the player dynamics, common injuries, and legends like a 17-year-old Dominican throwing an orange 90 miles an hour while barefoot. Here it is, episode 383. So, what you doing? Uh, John, thanks for asking. I'm sitting just to the right of you, mm. talking to you. <laughs> We're having fun, getting getting ready to do this podcasting thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we it rolling? It is podcasting weather. I mean, we're not not rolling, text. Yeah, Are we're you? always rolling. You need, I don't know about you, but I'm always on. You, McQuilkin. You, you, on the other hand. You get a little lippy in this episode, and I think you're conf- I'm going to have to knock you down a peg or two on the ping pong table because you came off, you have a false sense of confidence. Text whooped me yesterday. I'm in a good, oh, dominated mood. Dominated. Like, I'm in dominated. a good mood. Uh, is this mean that, that we're going to have a little round, robin, little round robin challenge coming up here? I think we could. I'm a little hungry. I'm a little, a little hungry too, but I'd like to get my workout done first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's our pre-warm-up warm-up. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I got a PT appointment at 5, so I'd like to get my – and I got a deadlift today. Roger that. But, I'm, uh, I'm going to deadlift just to make Luke feel bad about not deadlifting. I know. I do. I'm eager to get back on that barbell and dominate you guys. I'm not going to lie. I was watching you guys struggle with those three tiny kettlebells on that bamboo bar, and I'm like, <laughs> what's wrong with you guys? You know. And I was tempted to go over there and, and put just, you all in your place, do 20 reps like I typically do. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I got this thing going on. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have multiple things going on. One of those things is another episode of the Premier Podcast. In strength and conditioning. I almost, almost choked myself laughing. That's that's funny. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on it. And no, you stay text, up all night thinking of that one. I did. Uh, congratulations as well on a a supreme like a supreme victory. I have to say, like I thought I was down at one point on the ping pong table. I think twelve to two or something. I'm like this. I've been here before and I've I've closed the gap a number of times. Not maybe not that wide. But he just ran away with it. I couldn't catch up with the guy. And then the second game. Well, here's why. The in wind. the second game, I also. You had the wind. Oh, stop. It was stop. the wind was coming in, and he, it was bending he, his balls. He beat the, he just basically beat the, uh, I mean, I can. I got a little, of, I got a little pep in my step. Uh-huh. Sports, sports are back. Uh-huh. It's opening day. Uh-huh. Baseball season. That's and NBA's right around the corner. So what's, um, what's Major League Baseball doing to make sure that the Houston Astros uh, aren't cheating in 2020? Allegedly, look. Is it alleged still, or what's, I mean, did what's, they have to? Did the they whole, have to give back their trophy? No, the whole league is cheating. It's just there's it's, some sore LA losers out there. Nate, Nate, <laughs> <laughs> Nate, dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, you still got to hit the ball, John. Remember, mm. still got to hit the ball. Yeah. Tom, as Tom Cable said, if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Mm. As mm. I told you guys the story yesterday, yeah. you're not cheating, you're not trying hard. At least enough. someone's willing to. At sacrifice. least somebody's willing. To, to, to or what was it? At least somebody here cares enough. Yeah, none of you fucking assholes care. And that's how I feel about the Houston Astros. Amazing. But and speaking of Houston, what do you what do you got? You have something to say? You go. Well, we have amazing opportunity to to get TK on, and 
we'll let you introduce. Is there any training information that we want to share with our listeners about the awesome, amazing programs we're delivering through our friends, Train Heroic? What about the 20-inch arms? Do we get them? I mean, I think I we I do. So you need a tribal armband to actually break twenty. I can't. I mean, I think Tex. Okay, if we use the circumference of the hair, maybe sixteen. Yeah, Texas fur. So what for our listeners who aren't watching, which I think is many of them, uh, <laughs> we're all flexing at the camera. <laughs> and uh, you know, John, uh, six foot four giant who can palm a medicine ball and throw an orange ninety miles an hour barefoot <laughs> on a rope. Uh, <laughs> Obviously has a 20-inch arms here, but no, we're getting we're getting ready to talk to uh, TK Terrence Kennel. Uh, he is the in, strength and conditioning and injury kind of like uh, rehab coordinator coordinator for the Houston Astros, uh-huh. and it's awesome because we're going to learn about like managing all sorts of different, um, I guess, personality types, different skill levels, different backgrounds in this 250-person pipeline, bringing people from the Dominican at 16 years old all the way up into the major leagues. And, and dealing with all the nuance of that. And it was, it was cool to get some background. I had no idea the style and the rehab. So when yeah. you appear on the DL, for example, as an athlete, it's just a line in the newspaper or the bottom line ticker on ESPN. But now we know you go to Florida to work with TK and his, his team. Mm-hmm. And then when you're ready to go back to your specific town and, and whatever team or rank you're on, yeah. that's where it goes. I had no idea that you go to this home base to yeah, train they, and work together. When you get injured, they send you to like a yeah. mothership. I thought it would just be, yo, hang out at Minute Maid Park in the training room. Yeah, yeah. So pretty interesting. And uh, cool dude, well-traveled. And I, we, we got to cross paths with him. I think it's going to be yeah. a good like time. A good he cat. seems like he has good stories. And uh, speaking of great stories, here's a great story. You, you're listening, and you're not following any of our training programs once upon a time. Yeah, that story is just ended because you're going to head to training or powerathletehq.com slash training and sh- just peruse through our flagship programs yeah. there that are going to change your life. So there was a uh, Instagram post I got tagged in where somebody, you know, was one of those good uh, garage gym review sites. What training you program or are you following? And somebody dude started tagging me and power athlete. I don't know if you guys yeah. saw it, but it was funny. They had like. Ryan Fisher in there and street parking and all this. And I was I wanted to get in there and be like, dude best in class yeah if you guys are looking to be serious about training i mean hey if fitness is your goal and you just want to get sweaty hey there's a lot of stuff out there if yeah. you want the best performance training and when i mean performance like kicking the doors off of the hinges looking the part i think uh i think you look no farther than power athletes yeah, so powerathletehq.com yeah and like so what we were talking about yesterday was it on the podcast or maybe off the podcast you're going to be spending an hour a day training right like if you want to get in pretty good shape, it's going to take an hour a day, yeah. four days a week. And yeah. you'll get in pretty good shape. And At least four hard days a week. Yeah. Like, like I've come to the conclusion that if you give me four hard days and maybe like two easy days and one day off, uh-huh. dude... And, and like sleep like at least seven hours and yeah, not that eat gives like you a, an asshole. A ton of margin. Oh yeah. Because we've seen dudes on grindstone hitting two days a week with yeah. two easy days who are just dial everything else in outside of the gym and they get great results. So it's like Okay, you're spending this hour doing this. You're going to go do like, you're going to go grab a 10 pound medicine ball and throw it at a 10 foot target 150 times and race your neighbor playing catch with yourself? No, that's a dumb way to spend your time. Why don't you spend it doing some real training instead of just exercise? And in that way, in the event that there's some zombie apocalypse, you can stiff arm a 95 pound zombie. Or you can throw a smaller person 
at the zombie. Great point, and John. Then, and then sprint away from him. Yeah. Because you don't have to be the fastest of the group. You just got to be fastest than the slowest person. That's right. And in order to get faster than the slowest person, you got to run fast. And that's what we do at Power Athlete. Anyways, enough of the zombie, enough of the training. But I think we could go. We should, you know, what we should do is start a podcast and just rant about this and see how long we could rant. And see if anyone listens. Well, <laughs> y'all forgot to mention the 14-day free trial on training. Damn, Tex, at it again. Damn, Daniel, <laughs> at it again with That's the right. woman's vans. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're, curious what shoes. if you're curious what makes us different from what you're doing now, all it costs is uh, a, few, a few moments to sign up, and you have access to our training in the best-in-class training at Train Heroic that has movement demos, skill tracking, everything you'd ever want out of a, a virtual coach. It's right there in the palm of your hand. And not to mention the community. Oh, yeah. Within good bros, feet. good babes. We're all here to dominate. Um, so get out there, powerathletehq.com slash training, and uh, find the program that's right for you. Enough about us. Let's talk to Mr. TK. Ready, set, go. Go. I'm totally unplugged. I do not follow baseball. Oh, nobody, peripherally. nobody other than text does. Okay, so, so the season has been cut down to... 60 games from 142. Yeah. No, I thought it was 182, wasn't it? 62. 162, 62. sorry. 162. 162, yeah. yeah. 142 is a minor leagues. Ah. That's right, 162. Well, hey, TK, my name is Luke. Nice to meet Luke, you, man. How's it going? Tex, hello. Okay. How's it going, guys? Um, I honestly think this is probably a good thing for baseball. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a shorter season will I think it'll add more value to the games. I think I think you lose a lot of people and fans with so many games because the first probably the first month and a half is just so many so many teams. There's a lot of day games being played and people are just kind of like I'll tune in, I'll tune in like summertime. I wait till July. <laughs> or, or, or even for like me, I, I didn't even start watching baseball until the fall. I mean, it was just because it didn't get exciting. But I also think, and I, I asked somebody about this once, some of the Yankee players, I'm like, why do you guys have so, so many games? And uh, their response was uh, stats. Because baseball, people that are follow baseball are obsessed with stats. And they then like a huge thing of these baseball historians is presenting years to compare against, like this team versus this. And they have to be able to prepare it over the course of like uh, uh, decades and years and hundreds of years. So more data, more and, accurate? Well, no, but they, you know, but like if now, if all of a sudden they take data. 2020 and they, per, you know, uh, say, okay, these guys only had 60 games versus these guys that had 162 games, then they can't compare these seasons anymore and they can't compare it across the board. So that was like uh, one of their reasons. And I was like, that's a terrible reason. That's like, yeah. but, but the same thing happened to the NFL with uh, fantasy football. Now I feel like the NFL is doing what? things. They to, just added a game. But no, no, the NFL, like if you look at the cameras and the stats and the way they were doing, all of that stuff was driven because of fantasy football, which ended up driving more of the paid games because everybody wanted to be able to watch every game and get more views and this and all the stats. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing that like stats and, you know, drove baseball, but also fantasy football drove football. Did I tell, ever tell you that I coached peewee football? One of the one of the kids I coached in peewee football. Let me rephrase that. His dad owns the trademarks for fantasy in, insert the sport well the there's a 30 okay. for 30 i don't know if you've seen it tk but they the guys that invented fantasy baseball like they called it rotisserie baseball or something <laughs> so they invented the idea and it used to be just you drafted your own team you checked the newspaper for stats and you kept your own score right via pen and paper and they 
didn't make any money off of this thing that they created. Yeah. So there's oh a 30 God. for 30 behind it. Wow. Yeah, billion the, dollar industry. Yeah, this dude, yeah. like, I forget where he went to school, but he dropped out of school because he created some logistics software that UPS bought for 300,000 bucks, right? And he used all that money to buy these trademarks. And then now is like... <laughs> you know, untouchable. Well, I guess this is this is also 15 years ago, and it's possible that this isn't the exact truth. So if I do get fact-checked on this, well, tell me, listeners, because well, I've been telling this story for the past 15 years. Remember, remember what Bob Wilburn used to say, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Okay, yeah, Callie, edit out that last part then. So, <laughs> But, hey, TK, I guess thanks for jumping on the, the call, man. And I know text kind of just hit you last second over oh, social, it, right? Yeah, last week. Was yeah. he sliding into your DMs? Well, what did he send you? Did he send you any weird, weird pictures? Not yet. I mean, we're keep, we'll keep it between us. Uh, okay. <laughs> Text you sassy devil. I, I, I thought you were going to say we're going to keep it between the ears, but uh, now I'm going to know he's <laughs> keeping it below the waistline. <laughs> but um, so, DK, I guess for our listeners at home mm-hmm. and on the road, uh, why don't you give a little intro? You know, uh, what do you do? How'd you get there? I mean, the, the mic is yours, man, so take it for as long as you want, and then we're just going to kind of flow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Terrence Kennel, everyone's calls me TK, it's just way easier to remember. Um, I'm a Houston Astros uh, SNC rehab coordinator, so like strength conditioning rehab coordinator. So essentially what my role is, I'm based in West Palm Beach in South Florida, like most of the year. And then guys within our affiliate system, either from major league all the way down to low A, rookie ball, all the way down to our Dominican Academy, all will get sent into our spring training facility in West Palm any kind of rehab, anything that's longer than a 10-day usually. So the symptoms would be from, you know, from a hamstring strain to Tom and John, mm-hmm. essentially. And then I've been in this role as my second year at the Astros. I don't come from a baseball background. I spend most of my time, most of my sports are worked in, working in rugby uh, and fighting. And then a bit of, a uh, bit of tennis, a uh, bit of, bit of uh, college football, Arkansas State, stuff like that. But, so then did you play sports leading up to this yeah so it's so rugby and basketball so that's what you played okay yeah, yeah 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 cool cool and then uh i don't know what kind of athlete were you man were you like natural that naturally gifted athlete or do you have to bang weights and do this stuff to actually excel on the pitch mm, within within rugby at that point i was already pretty like naturally gifted luckily luckily because i'm part some part tongan so i was so i helped me part pacific uh, island <laughs> that's the cheat code that is that's, that's a, yeah. Gene, that's baby. a part that's islander a yeah that's a, that's, a cheat, that's a cheat code to the game uh when it came to when it came to basketball i for some reason decided to play to love a sport that wasn't genetically made for because i'm all of i'm all of five ten on a good day <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably what more the training came in so i was like well if i'm gonna be Five ten and be on a, on, on a game of giants. I'm gonna have to somewhat higher than everybody else, at least be eye level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice man. Yeah, I'd love to to lead off. So the the rehab is a big deal, and baseball season is so damn long. Well, it was that it's or it was. <laughs> we don't speak in absolutes anymore, so it was long. It was long, and injury is almost inevitable. So talk to us about the. Re- Man, the span of your responsibility, because the how many we got single A, double A, triple A majors, and and as you Dominican said, the Dominican League, League. Mm-hmm. like like how many people are in that ecosystem? Yeah. Um, so within just the minor league side, so from triple A down to our Dominican Academy, it's anywhere close to like two hundred and fifty well, wow. or so, like in that, in that kind of range, and that's like on like that's like an average. There are other teams. We have way more people. I think the Yankees, things like Cubs, Red Sox, they have a lot more people than we do. They'll have 
two rookie ball teams or we only have one. Uh, they'll have over 100 people in the Dominican Academy. The Dominican Academy will cover all any Latin American and national players all go to that Dominican Academy. So we've got some Venezuela, got some Cuba, Puerto Rico, um, the DR, of course, for that Panama. And with this sport, do you see the same consistent injuries and you got your playbook for each? Or is it just a complete crapshoot? Uh, for the most part, you see you see you see kind of similar ones, especially on the lower limbs. Any kind of lower limb stuff is either going to be a groin or a hamstring most of the time. Like somehow we, I've lucked into getting two ACLs and a cartilage uh, transplant. I don't know how I've gotten so lucky, but but uh, but those are those are those are really those are pretty rare. Normally, you don't get like your hamstring pulls, guys running the first or stealing, or um, a groin, which would be from a pitcher come down a mound or it's going to be someone trying to steal base or go first. So do you do your best to educate the strength staff to aim to target these or is it just, hey, strength staff, you do you and then I'll, I'll get them when they're ready to come back? So I think on the SNC side, because um, our director we have, like our head of performance, Dan House, he came in, he came in just a couple months before I did and he kind of brought a new kind of culture and identity and kind of principles of training. As before, we, we didn't, the principles weren't as laid out in the foundation of like just the basic movements like squat, hinge, push, pull. Like we, could, it's okay. It's okay to lift weights. It's okay to be strong. Like it's actually a good thing. Um, adding things like jumps and plyometrics has helped a ton to like guys' training overall being more robust. And then on the same side of um, of our like Latin American guys and the older guys having some tiers of training, so we got like, our foundational group, which is our younger guys, guys out of high school, some guys who come straight out of college. Um, obviously, like your Latin American guys, he's signed at 16. So you have that development tier of guys who have beaten that basic criteria, and now they're in more that development range of like, now we're like getting stronger and more powerful. And then once they've re- hit some of those criteria we have for that, they then go to that more specialized kind of style of training, where it's more like kind of SPP kind of model of training for the majority of their sessions, especially in season spring training when we had the longest. Because we have, we don't, we don't see them for four, four to five months after after September if they're a minor league guy, that they're a major league guy from October. Then when we're finished on the playoffs, we don't see them again until spring training or just before spring training. Unless definitely a few guys who may stay around or come in, but most of the guys have their own outside training, and so we just use all that time to get them stronger and more powerful, uh, some speed work as well. So do a lot, try to get speed within at least two times every like 10 days or so. And so some of those things have added a lot of help from there. Guys just generally more robust to handle a season because now it's like, it's very basic in that way, but it's been like, it's a novel to them because some of them haven't necessarily had that in the last three, four, five years. Maybe they've been in minor leagues or in a major league size. Some of them haven't had it really at all because they've always been a master at their sport. So like, I have two questions and like, and how good, in how good a shape do you really need to be to play Major League Baseball as a Major League athlete? I mean, it's such a, like, skill Which position? I know. There's, so there's outfield, infield is essentially the split, right? And then, well, pitcher, which you can just be a slob, which is fine. But let's say, so is that is that really the split? Is it outfield, infield, pitcher, like kind of that pitch-catch position? That, like, what are, some of the, what are some of the benchmarks some of these guys have? And then as you improve that, does it... Does it drastically improve performance? So some of the and the 
goes out. The level of fitness is like is more minimal. We're more about maximum outputs. So right. Like if the maximum outputs are higher, it's gonna help that kind of submax level. So we don't have to do a lot of like conditioning and things like that. But them being stronger, faster, more powerful just makes them more robust for the season. So within a mileage side, you'll have 13, 12 to thirteen position players, including catchers. And so basically everyone will play just just about every day for all 142 games. Um on the pitching side. It can vary a bit more. Like our relievers don't necessarily need to be as fit because they're coming in, you know, twenty to thirty-five pitches. They're coming, they're trying to throw gas immediately, um, as opposed to like oh, our starters need a bit more fitness, more for that recovery between outings. So they're going to be every five or six day rotation. They ideally you want them to go six innings at least to save your bullpen, but they can go they can go seven up for intensity throughout the game. Like that's ideal. So like an example. Our pitching coach always uses all just guys like when we had Cole and we had like Verlander, like they'll throw, you know, they throw 95 in inning three, but in inning seven, eight, they're throwing 98, 99. <laughs> and that ability, that ability to ramp up control, we think some of our research kind of showing greater like a road base a guy can have potentially has a chance of them maybe to recover better between out ends, recover better, a slightly better between pitches. But we've taken away some of the old adage of guys can just run all the time. Because I think old old baseball idea for pitchers like running poles and yeah shit like that. It's just like that's just meaningless doing mindless work. And so we added things like adding a walk bike so guys can get off their feet because there's so much load going through their knee, mm-hmm. through a leg coming down a mound, and just getting that super low level aerobic work. So similar to like a Charlie Francis high low model is what we kind of run for pitchers and position players. You're either running faster, you're doing recovery runs. You know, don't want to yeah. get stuck in that no man's land. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is uh <coughs> oh man god bless you <coughs> so dusty in here i already said it once i'm not gonna yeah, say it again. i'm sorry well i don't need you to bless me i'm already blessed <laughs> uh it, um I, I always had this um like interesting idea then you, you brought it up actually as a perfect transition that idea of like a charlie francis model is it similar mm-hmm. with uh with pitchers like uh you know I, I know that they you know obviously throw off speed pitches and they have like a whole you know uh, barrage of or in their arsenal to throw but mm-hmm. like when it comes to like throwing fastballs are they always throwing as you know over you know like 100 percent on intensity so like if you look at like how many pitches is it kind of similar to that charlie francis where they have x amount of like you know 100 percent max gas pitches and then there's probably some other pitches that they kind of periodize into it and kind of that uh you know like let's say almost like a a, a tempo like i i'm really interested mm. in like how they train their arms uh it just can't be fucking gas mash their foot to the pedal every yeah. fucking yeah. throw uh yeah. they would just or or maybe that's how the young guys do coming up and that's why so many guys get hurt but is there some periodization in terms of the throwing i think mean, our, our throwing side which our pitching staff they've done a pretty good job of educating some of our guys and like hey like every throwing we call throwing programs which is like a throwing practice like every day you can't be trying to throw 100 also, because the person you're throwing to is another pitcher, and <laughs> like guessing to catch 100 mile hours, um, and so I just spend most of the time working on like more off speed and like location stuff and throwing program because that's like your lower intensity, and then just every now and then like touch it and feel 97, 98. But ideally, any of that kind of stuff we'll do on a mound, so it's not as much stress on the elbow. I'm trying to throw on flat ground that hard, and also you you have a catcher there as opposed to having another pitcher who's 90 feet away from you trying to catch a hundred mile power fastball. Is it, is it something like, um, like I, I, 
I've always uh, kind of wondered a little bit on like uh, you know some of the throwing stuff. I mean, it's got to be like a almost like a certain level of flexibility, but like almost like a stiffness within the tendons and the ligaments to be able to generate mm-hmm. that much force. So like because of uh, it's probably a certain individual and a certain type of individual that can throw like that. Does that make them more prone to certain injuries where like you're like, hey, man, like like these are the prerequisites you need to be able to throw 100 miles an hour. And because of that, here's the, you know, almost like the uh, the peer getting eroded from underneath. But because this is the type of athlete they are. Some of it like we started to categorize it a bit where like we'll have their pitches do I come with like like muscle dominant and once we're like tendon elastic dominant. And like they'll produce the way they produce force to be different. So some of those guys who are more elastic will be bit taller, much st- stiffer, like someone's recognizing off the back, like in the sprinty point of view, you think like a Carl Lewis or Usain Bolt, like long, long limb, uh, thin calves, like those kind of guys. And some, some of their training away from throwing will be very like isometric and eccentric dominant because it will be those things that st- they struggle with producing force at because they, they are just doing short coupling cycle and just being able to throw really hard, really fast and have less of like a knee bend and a hip bend. So the training would be basically kind of the opposite to kind of help protect them, if you will. And then on the muscle dominant guys, they're going to be deeper angles. They need more time to reduce that force and the throw is hard. And some of the training would be to help bring them up would be some of that more elastic things like a pogos or short coupling stuff. Um, some depth jumps, maybe more elastic med ball work was like catch and shot throw. Stuff like that. That's kind of, how we kind of like differentiate between the two. Because there are some guys who like, they may throw the same velo, but like the way they produce it is the exact opposite. Huh. Oh, so if uh, uh, is it fair to say that like somebody comes in with a fair amount of like physical talent, like they can throw a fastball, and then there's like kind of the training to almost like protect them or allow them to have longevity to be able to kind of throw it because it's like man, if you throw like that five times, you're probably not going to have a shoulder anymore. And but yeah. then it becomes like some technique and that. So there's actually a lot of science. Like I. I like I played baseball when I was a kid, but it wasn't my sport. So, um, you know, and all the guys I know, uh, it kind of looks like one of those sports that you just either inherently can do it or you can't. And it, it doesn't yeah. always appear to be like, hey, like I was I, I was here. And because of the training and the skills and the opportunity, I was able to build myself into a player. Yeah, this, I think a bit of fact is on the genetic side. Like I think when you think of guys and I did the men game, you used to come out who are just elite of elite, elite, and it seemed like they were just born ready to play baseball. I think some of that is just the culture of Dominican and the most popular sport is baseball mm-hmm. in the country. So you're getting your most elite athletes are going to are playing ball. This is the way out. So as well, so like, like baseball is not our most popular sport anymore. So like our, our best athletes tend to lean towards football or growing basketball. And so I think you like, if almost you flipped it the other way, you probably almost see more guys who are like genetically gifted or just more elite athletes playing baseball in that in that sense. Like we have I have an outfitter and we have now who like out of high school he had like Big Ten offers to play receiver at just about every Big Ten school he's from Michigan and baseball <laughs> and because he's just a freaking nature like he dunked a basketball at uh, fourteen he called it alley oop he's like he was like six feet tall fourteen that same injury that Kevin Ware did played the Duke but shouldn't explode it. He did the same thing at 14 years old dunking basketball. What? Because he's just a freak of nature. <laughs> wow. 
Is that the way it's kind of going? I mean, it, it feels like um, professional sports in general. I mean, there was kind of a time where, you know, in the NFL, you could kind of build yourself into it. And now it's become this almost like uh, like the land of the outliers. Years old. Yeah, I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. a, you know, the, the NBA is is probably the greatest example of this where, I mean, I was, I was watching some clips of these like 14, 15-year-old kids. And I'm, I'm like, how old are they? Like these are, they look like grown men. The one kid was like 6'9 mm-hmm. at 15 and was like killing dudes. And oh, he's I, killing high school dudes. Well, he's killing like I didn't know that I, I didn't even know they were high school kids. He's playing in a pickup game <laughs> with guys that were like yeah. college and pros, and like that kid's fifteen. I mean, like it's become this almost like the land of the giants, like this uh, like land of outliers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. it's it like I mean maybe baseball because it's always been like that, but man, it just seems like the the gap is is stretching, you know. Yeah, I think just some of that. Me and Juan Mentos had this conversation about just like. The country, like I, I lived in, in England, working rugby in England, you realize that the most elite athletes in the UK don't play rugby. But there are a lot who do play rugby, but the majority of them play soccer because that's a cultural sport. That's a national sport. You see it in new, you see it in Central Asia with weightlifting and wrestling. The best athletes are weightlifters and wrestlers. Uh, new Zealand, you go, it's it's it'd be rugby. So yeah. like, it's always that like that culture and that culture that national sport almost creates those elite athletes because they see it as this is where I can make a bunch of money. This is the most popular sport. And just pits out the best people, the most elite of that population. Well, I mean, uh, like the All Blacks, like we, you know, I think what I forgot what the population of New Zealand. What was it like? Four and a half million people. Yeah, which was like, like smaller than Southern California. And yeah. you know the you know the All Blacks and the best rugby players in the world come from four point eight million. Yeah, yeah, so roughly the size of like L.A. County, uh, Orange County, and like San Diego County, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and they have the the best rugby players, and the reason being is because that's their natural culture. This is what these guys grow up in, you know. Yeah. And I, I I think that happens probably down in South America too, and also in like uh, the Caribbean, oh, yeah. whatever. I mean, it, it like those guys are. I, I remember seeing a video of like ten year old kids playing baseball at like midnight on like a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and like that's all these kids do. They don't go to school; they yeah. just play baseball. You know, is there a big culture yeah, of like? Yeah. Uh, is, does the culture of strength and conditioning and weight training? come like once they get into like a, like an organized program like they come to you know like your program and now they're kind of indoctrinated or is that something that kids are you know the kids before they even get to you guys are, are starting with oh usually most of them haven't even been inside a gym until they've gone until they've been signed uh and down down in the dominican they haven't the idea of going to a gym not so much that's actually train out the idea that like oh if you go to the gym like oh make you you won't, you won't throw us fast you know, it's like becoming at 16, 16, 17 years old, thinking that, because this may have been told from like a friend of a friend of a friend, or like their granddad or something like that. Then they just realize, like, oh, like, no, there are guys who throw 95 and they're 18 years old. And they, <laughs> and they, it's because they're because they've been training. But yeah, the Dominican, you see, like, there's, there's a story I was heard told from like Dominican strength coaches, they signed this 17 year old. He threw an orange barefoot at 90 miles an hour, apparently. <laughs> Jesus. Dang. Yeah, it was like, like barefoot, didn't have shoes. Like, there was some scout there. Like, apparently had some scout there. Like, I don't, I don't know for sure this story is true. This is legend that I've just been told. It's, uh, it's a good 90 story. miles an hour. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like, um, you know, from Palma Medicine Ball, but I also like uh-huh. you throwing orange 90 miles an hour barefoot. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. We, we might the, have to add that to the Bill Brasky legend. I think we can get that for sure. What was the movie in the 90s that was something like that? Where um, uh, The Scout. Is it The Scout? And that yeah. was with a dude from Sliders, right? No, Brandon Frazier. Um, oh man, there's a couple like 
I don't know how true they are, but baseball stories where an agent mm-hmm. like goes to some different country. There was one with uh, Indian and cricket, India and cricket, uh-huh. starring John Hamm. But the scout was one man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But yeah, that diamond in the rough, the kid's barefoot, yeah. whips a, you know, whips <laughs> an orange across, you know, 200 yards on a rope at 90 miles an hour. And he's our guy. Well, I mean, they uh, <laughs> like like there were um, always stories like, uh, you know, uh, I played in the NFL and 22 oh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Sorry. There were always stories, especially about some of the Islander guys that I played with, um, you know, uh, either the Samoans or either Tongans. You know, guys like, hey, I didn't wear shoes until I had to wear football cleats at, like, 14 or 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And, like, just, like, these, like, you know, dudes had some, like, legitimate, uh, like, stories like that. And they were like, oh, yeah, I remember the first time I went out and played football in pads. Like, we didn't wear shoes. And I'm like, did you get cleated on the foot? And they're like, yeah, but that doesn't hurt. And like, I'm like, I never wore shoes. I mean, like, I swear to God, dude. And you're, like, telling these guys, I'm like, man, I, I get stepped on. I'm going to cry like a little girl. There, there's got to be so many stories. The I love the Fred Taylor chasing rabbits. Uh-huh. The oh, Sports yeah. Illustrated uh, did that feature about the NFL running backs from yeah. his community. There's got to be so many stories, like the outlier Dude, spark. At, in, the, at the time, it was like five out of the 32 uh, running backs that were starting in the NFL like grew up within that little town chasing rabbits. That story like still gives me goosebumps. Yeah, that's pretty cool. My parents, 100% a thing. Like, one of the first things I asked them moved down to South moved to West Palm was like, I need to find someone who knows anything about these small like country towns. And like in Florida, with people chasing rabbits, they're like, "Yeah, it's a hundred percent a thing." People still do. Oh yeah. Well, well, the uh, yeah. the way the story goes, and the the story I love is like the dude shows up in that little town to figure out he was a sports writer, like why all these like NFL running backs are from that area, and like he sees these kids run and he follows them, and they like take off and they come back with the rabbits, and he's like talking with the kids. All of a sudden, it starts to get dark. All these cars pull up, and it's like their dads, their uncles, their brothers, like all the older dudes are getting out and they're pulling out wads of cash and they start betting. And he's like, as soon as I saw the money come out and you saw the intensity of these dudes, now all of a sudden you realized it. And uh, when they asked Fred Taylor, like, what's it like playing in the NFL? He's like, just like chasing rabbits. Yeah. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Like that, like that to me, um, you know, it, 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 as a parent and like, you know, as you get older, you kind of try to set environments. And I'm sure you do this as a strength coach. Like you set the environment in such a way that like this is what you want to have come out. And, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people look at it like you got to break a lot of eggs to make an omelet. But, you know, like it's uh, it, it's yeah, it's cool. I, I, I wonder, and especially in your situation, like how do you set the environment up so that, you know, you don't break a lot of eggs, but yet you can still mm-hmm. make a really good omelet? I think a big one that's in that environment is having having set like not mantras, but set parameters of like these are these are our standards. These are things we want to do. Every day, so at least maybe want to be competitive and have, having that idea of competition helps a lot, especially when the last two years we've added some things like they're trained that a lot of them weren't used to, they hadn't done. Speed was a big one, like teaching guys that like it's okay to sprint and not be going, you going from home to first, <laughs> like teaching them that, and, and so making making everything competitive and posting uh, scores on a board, stuff like that. Guys, we we were catapult units as well, like in training and in game, so being able to post like this guy was was the fastest today and someone being like oh fuck that like i'm like i don't fucking i'm faster than him <laughs> oh, and i'm like i might prove it <laughs> oh man I or um, like charting on the hitting side like um looking at guys exit velocity so a big one for our efficient players is like we want you to hit the ball as far and as hard as possible every single time mm-hmm. every time you contact like try to send it 500 feet like and so our hitting coach would tell guys like or um post who had the highest exit velocity from the game the night before 
and we had this one dude was massive. He like sit four to sixty five. His highest actually low he's ever recorded like one twenty. The only person higher is John Carlos Stanton at one twenty two or something like that. Uh-huh. But um every time someone would beat him, everyone would be so hyped in like the, like the clubhouse and the the locker room about it. They'd be like, Oh, I hit one hit a ball one fifteen today or I hit a ball one ten. Like, oh G only hit a ball hundred and eight. <laughs> like that, so like creating that kind of competitive environment, like just sparked so like, so much more. Just so they're already they're already elite, like they know they're good at the sport, and they all have the same goal of making to major league. So like, let's just make things really competitive and feed into that. How much of it is like? Um, do some of these guys just kind of need permission? Like you were saying, you know, you're allowed to sprint a distance that's not home to first, like. You should be sprinting these different dis, and they're just like they're they're in this system and culture from such a young age where it's like you know you're hitting the same routine, same routine. It's a sport that's full of um, history. Uh, no, uh, uh, man, why is this word escaping me? But dogma, uh, opportunity. It, it, no, it, it's no, dogma. It's all these dog- fucking donkeys. Dog- you know, like dogma. the same it's same routines over and over again. Um, like, superstition. No more. Well, yeah. Well, it's dogma and routine because because yeah. you, you got to remember. I mean. We've been what like professional baseball since the 1800s, so like yeah. all these dads and these kids and these it, it's like we see the same thing in boxing, like why yeah, yeah. like yeah. why yep. do boxers 100%. do road work? Well, it's right like um, it free throws it's in because basketball. their granddads did or their trainers did did road work and their fathers did road work and everybody does road work because that's what you do. So it's like the same thing in baseball, right? What, you know, I also I imagine like like if free throw le- allows you to zone in, like Jason Kidd would kiss blow a kiss to his daughter in the stands. Where you see Nomar just reset his gloves to get his, I imagine, to get your mind right and focused in on, because I, I mean, I don't know what it's like to only see this micro spec going faster than your human eye can track and then sending it 500 feet. But I, I guess it's kind of looping back, TK, back to the question. Um, do these young kids come in like, with this preconceived dogma or superstition that you got to shake out and then like kind of just you're slowly granting permission to break out of this thing so that they are getting i guess into different behavioral patterns to help them get to the league which like you said man that's everybody's dream get it get a start and get set for life right some of it some of it depends on like the environment they come from Mm -hmm. so some of our so our guys who are like a latin american guys is actually tends to be much easier because they, that's because they, they come in at, at at fifteen, sixteen years old, and like the staff and stuff down there are a de facto like family in a way. So like they trust them, and like they that's been like embedded into who they are. So like they they may come in and their idea of training, like they have no problem wanting to train hard at that point. Yeah. In college, it can go it can go either way from guys who come from college because they either come from a spot where like they were pampered, they were they were the best, they're the best things, best things ever happened to that school. They they didn't have to do anything because they were a the star player. So, like, but to come in and kind of, like, get them to understand, like, hey, like, we're trying to make you even better. Like, what worked in college isn't going to work here. Like, it's just not. <laughs> and sometimes you get that uh, from hunting. Sometimes from high school guys, you get the case of he was drafted a high school. He was the best in the world the high school's ever seen, stuff like that. Like, and so in their mind, it's always been easy. And so now that they come to the bottom, like, hey, like, you're going to fail. Like, there's someone who is – maybe younger than you or maybe older than you who's seen everything you have and more from a pitching side and like that's they're not afraid of it as opposed to like when you were you were 16 years old and you were on the mound everyone who stepped in the box was terrified of you mm-hmm. as opposed to like now they're not now they're not going to experience that so coming in and getting to understand that from the get-go understand like hey you're you're going to fail 
at some point, whether you may dominate rookie ball and get to full season and low A or high A and struggle, or you may even dominate all the way to get to double A. Then you get a double A, and now you're playing some guys who have been in the big leagues before and to try and get back and stuff like that. And like they have, they're not afraid of anything you have to throw. Or as a hitter, like they're not afraid of like the pitcher on the mound is not afraid of you at all. He has no second. He has no idea who you are. He does not care. He's trying to strike you out and get and get back to the big leagues if he hasn't been there already. Man, that is like I'm thinking of what you're saying there on the, the bottom end and the entry level, and you're working with the dudes who are like established career baseball players. That is a just such an immense span of personality and capability that you guys are working with there. Is there like is there strategy or is it a challenge to do that or is it just kind of an individualized approach? I mean, how do you do it? Uh, from an SNC programming side, it becomes like it's a very individualized program. Yeah, I'm, thinking, guys, I'm thinking more not nuts and bolts of programming, but just like in, interfacing with the personalities. Oh, okay, you know, yeah. and especially like yeah. on the rehab side, that ten plus day injury approach. I feel like there's a lot of like there's a lot of emotion can be tied up in that, you know, and frustration. Yeah. And I'm thinking of like you're talking to a 16 year old kid who maybe is on that like kind of prodigy diva side who's frustrated because they can't go dominate. And then you have this other kid who's potentially, you know, coming from a, a much worse place and is just, I don't care, I'm hurt. I'm like, I'm in the system. And then you also yeah. have like these multi-million dollar athletes who are in that, that flux as well. Like, what is that like? Yeah, the big one is, especially with the older guys, it comes to like asking them like, hey, like what, what's gotten you to the point where you are now? And then how do you think you how do you think we can improve? So like bumps putting the onus on them, not coming with the idea of like I know better than you, I'm the coach, like listen to me. Cause like especially like in baseball, they don't be like, like, like go fuck yourself. Like I'm not like, like they're hundred percent gonna do that. And they will walk away. You've you you have broken out relationship before you even started. Um with the younger guys, the guys who maybe like who are still kinda of on that cusp, like they're still on the rise, it tends to be more about like, hey, like this is kind of the process, this is kind of the things we this is our income, this is our goals, these kind of outcomes we want. This is what it's gonna look like, especially if it's like a Tommy John, like these are some of the markers we wanna hit before we progress you. And we're gonna sit down and talk, every time we get to a new step in the process, we're gonna sit down and talk about what it's gonna look like generally. Mm-hmm. What's look like for other guys, like that, especially for Tommy John, cause that's gonna be, that's gonna be a year. Like they're gonna, they're gonna see my, they're gonna see my ugly face every single day for the next like 12 <laughs> months. <laughs> so. <laughs> getting them used to that and kind of having that open line of communication like hey if you have a question or something's wrong or something doesn't doesn't feel right like feel free to ask me and if i don't have an answer like we're gonna ask someone else we'll ask a physical therapist if we have to we'll go to the surgeon and luckily within baseball because you have so many people we get tommy john and you have so many like players in the system so you always can grab an older player who's had it before and they can tell you like oh you know like my shoulder hurt when i first started throwing again too it's just part of the process like it's just a bit of it's a, it's a tendon thing. It's more like a tendinopathy. It's, oh, this happened to me this time. So that helps kind of breathe that idea and guide that trust a bit more. The guys feel like, oh, like I'm not, I'm not the only person who's ever happened to. And I know I can, like, I know this happened to somebody else after me. It's going to happen to somebody else. Like, once I'm more time, I'm gone. And I know that I can then be the feedback to the, the kid who comes after me who also has time to job. Uh, for you guys, I mean, you guys are, I would say, pretty cutting edge in terms of like rehab and what you guys are using in, you know, for your different modalities. Is there anything that's come up in the last year or two that you're like, man, this has been a game changer? And I know like everything from like 
you know, people are using like uh, like lasers, and I mean, I mean, uh, outside of like the traditional, like, hey, I'm going to soak this thing in dexamethasone and put it on your iontophoresis type of deal, but like something that's like more, like within like a uh, more cutting edge. Because I mean, like I just was on a call yesterday with a dude um, about uh, um, that pure oxygen that they found that like exercising in like a like a um, hyperoxygenated, yeah, like, like a hyperoxygenated, like a aerobic state, like ramps up killer cells and does all this stuff for recovery. And like, so, I mean, there's some really amazing cutting edge stuff and I'm sure you guys got pitched everything because, you know, you're major league baseball. Just wondering, has anything kind of popped up where you've been like, wow, dude, this has been a real game changer. I'll say a big one on like the lower limb injury side would be our use of force decks. And so having force plates and being able to be really objective with some of our measures and creating that kind of objectivity to our rehab process. I mean, that didn't exist before. It's helped a lot. And then the addition on uh, the upper upper extremity side is using the force plates on the upper limb as well has helped. And then also things like a force frame, so like the groin bar. And force frame is we just turn side on uh, on the force frame, so that's been really good for the shoulder. And then the use of, use of uh, actually using a gun when guys are returned to throwing again in that Tommy John process. And so that they can then see a marker like, hey, you're throwing you're throwing seventy, we want you to throw sixty five. So like them having a bit more gauged control of how they're throwing. So it's just it's putting numbers to the process that was like totally subjective prior to that, huh? Yeah. And and it, then, it just helped and, and understanding that it's not getting players and also like as a staff to understand that it's not a data driven. It's only like, it's like more like a data aided. Like it helps. It's not it's not the end all be all, but it's it's a nice piece of the puzzle and it helps Kind of, they got CYA, like I cover your ass a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're, what you're saying is, there's not a magic pill, potion, or light. Damn it! Unfortunately, no one's even trying to like. Or would you be the guy that if something's coming, you know, a company's coming in to pitch technology or or um, procedure, are you looped in on that, or is that something that would come down to you from up top? Uh, if it's like on the sport science, like performance or rehab side, then yeah, I usually like be in it. Like the, our director, Dan, will like ask me about it, and we'll, we'll talk about it. But it's always that push and pull effect because as an organization, we're quite heavy on our tech side, like more so than a lot of other teams. Like the Dodgers are probably the only one that's probably second, but they usually they just buy whatever we buy usually. <laughs> but, um, and and so it, it's that push pull of like, at what point is it too much, and then. What is this new thing? Is this new thing going to tell us something we don't already know? Well, I guess, John, he can't tell us if they got the magic pill because then it's on the airwaves <laughs> and all MLB is going to be listening. Uh, so we're going to have to really take think, it offline. I don't really think that we got the uh, the Dodgers listening in on this You don't call. think so? Nate is taking notes. And uh, yeah, Nate's uh, going to listen voice. and go to the Dod- go to Dodgers. Uh, uh, I was going to ask you, like, uh, Yeah, TK, uh, we can keep it quiet. <laughs> Just uh, bring, bring home another trophy. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you guys need more video cameras for that trophy? Next question I have for you, TK, we talked about individual mental return from injury. What about the team dynamic mentally, and how can you help prepare an athlete? Because as you mentioned, the different experiences, you got the the young kids that are uh, from the Dominican that don't speak English, and then you got Mm -hmm. the the multi-million dollar player, and you got the farm system kids, you got this whole melting pot of personality, experience, languages, cultures, all thrown into the mix for a team. So what is it like to help build and put all these guys on the same page as you've observed, 
and also been a part of when they are working with you in Florida? Uh, big one, rehab side is having that like, kind of team identity is that similar we we're, we're going to do this year. We're going to get like custom shirt to say that team rehab on it. <laughs> um, just because I think it'd be hilarious. And then it's kind of little things like we, we do gym sessions together as a group. Like, even some guys have done before, it's like, no, like, you're, you're going to wait. Like, there's 17 other people. Like, and then we do we do warm-ups as a group, so everyone comes out to do warm-ups. Some of those little things kind of force, almost force guys to be a bit of a team within that setting. And also because they all going to see each other every single day. You know, all to be a trainer at the same time. They're all dealing with the same ATs and PTs every day. And so, have, have, and they're, all, they're also put in the same locker room. Unless they're like, they're like an older big league guy, like they may have their own like locker room on the other side of the complex, but everyone else that's not like a big time big league, big league guy, then like they're all going to be in the same locker room as well. So it's kind of forces in play. You might as well get along because we have to, you're going to eat breakfast together, lunch together, you're going to stay in a hotel together. <laughs> but some of those things definitely help. And then not having the standards we like we set, it's the same standard across the board. So whether someone's coming from AAA and got hurt, whether someone's coming from the Dominican and they've gotten hurt, it's like if the standard is, is if it's 10 a.m., you have to be in the training room, I don't care who you are, I'm going to say something to you. And I think that's like, that's, that's something that you get respect on both ends. And then guys and the older guys don't feel like, oh, like this guy gets special treatment. And younger guys don't feel like, oh, like, I can, how come I can't break rules? He got some break rules. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think having that kind of clear standard of expectation like helps a lot and then also the same, same thing goes with staff like i told guys like if i like if i'm late for some reason like y'all can make fun of me and call me out about it too like 100 percent. how how um i mean is it frequent at all that some of these big big league older dudes want to just like they'll go slum it with the young guys you know kind of be the mentor or is it more of a burden uh, as well a lot of our older guys like talk to and we'll hang out and kind of mentor a bit some younger younger guys whether it be rehab or not rehab even within spring training you'll see like older guys talking to some younger guys whether it be in the cage out on the field between like a drill or something like that so that's always really helpful like example we got this year in spring training we had one minor league guy this is his first year in big league camp uh this this year and we got an all-star uh player Full-time All-Star, won a World Series. He, he, he had told me this story before things closed down. He goes, yeah, I was like, it was on our first, second day. And he just comes up to me and asks me, oh, what's your plan for that? And he's like, I didn't have, a, I didn't have an answer. And they told him, like, every day you should have a plan as a player. Mm-hmm. Like, so remember that. So next time you come out here and come out here tomorrow, that's something you don't. There are other, I've heard stories of other organizations where it's like they're in separate buildings. Mm-hmm. They don't interact at all. And it's, it's very, very common, apparently. You know, when I hear music like this, I can't help but think about every cheesy 80s action movie ever. There's just something so great about how clearly fake every fight scene and workout montage is. And what's funny is the approach of creating sexy cut-ups of bullshit workouts with highly questionable application actually exists outside 80s movies and is more prevalent than ever. Well, like terrible 80s movies, there's so much training garbage out there to sort through these days. And while entertaining, it's scary to think that some people are actually falling for it. Think of the pyrotechnics in Commando or the -the over-the-top use of body oil in the movie Over the Top. 
Is it possible that they're trying to distract us from the completely unrealistic plotline? Kind of like a sexy looking program with virtually no performance transfer? This is exactly why Power Athlete has been battling the bullshit for over a decade. The research, testing, and retesting that the coaches at Power Athlete HQ have done to create athletic training programs like Field Strong and Bedrock is unparalleled. We chose to further refine our templates to create Grindstone, Jack Street, Lean Enable, and Hammer because we know that specific goals require specific stimuli. Okay, here's where the shameless plug comes in. A lot of work goes into developing the absolute best program and user experience possible. Just ask our partners at Train Heroic, who have been with us every step of the way and are equally dedicated to empowering your performance as we are. They are relentless when it comes to ensuring that your journey to self-improvement is propelled by the absolute best technology. When you join a Power Athlete program on Train Heroic, the first thing you should do is take a giant sigh of relief. Seriously, because now you're in the hands of founder and 10-year NFL veteran John Wellborn and his team of world-class coaches. And for less than a dollar a day, you've just become part of a community of like-minded folks who all want the same thing, performance. And if this whole 80s movie metaphor thing makes no sense to you because you were born after 1990, simply substitute Star Wars Episodes 1 through 3. Who has the time or the patience for an all-show, no-go imposter program? Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to empower your performance today. Now back to the show. I mean, that's, this is unique to professional sports, right? Major League Baseball on that whole farm system in the month, like the Dominican League, all the way up through that pipeline where it's like... I think Major League, or I think soccer, uh, maybe not here in the U.S., but soccer in Europe has a similar deal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, soccer. Yeah, that's right. What, what about rugby? We've had Nick Winkleman on a couple times, and he's yeah. shared his yeah. rugby system where you get these kids, teenagers, similar to soccer. So how does our, our baseball system that we have change and differ from your experience with the rugby sport of rugby uh within rugby in the uk and uh, islands a bit more centralized and the way like nick and them have it's a bit more centralized in the uk is not as centralized but every team will have like a every professional team will have a like an academy team but it's just not as big of a system it's not as like incredibly fun as opposed to the time i spent at, at, at fulham which is a professional soccer team in england they have extensive academy system just like on the baseball side. So you have your senior team, your under 23s, your under 18s, under 16s, all the way down to like under 10s. Mm-hmm. And long, they'll all be in one, in one big training ground most of the time. How long were you in uh, overseas working with those guys? Uh, two years. Yeah, and whereabouts? Uh, I, was, I was in London uh, the whole time. Yeah, uh, I was in Southwest London. Did you have a good time? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I'd actually, I should go back. I go back pretty much every off season now. Oh yeah. Like I'll, I'll travel Europe a bit too, drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We so one of the guys that works with us is out of Manchester. We've been out there a couple times when we were doing seminars. Uh, Text were we? Did we go to London? We we did. Yeah. Yeah. It just. And I think we were just there for a day or something, or go what, like we, traveling through. But yeah, I twisted your arm to tour around, like with mm-hmm. the, the Shard Tower. And, uh, drink some bring Big Ben kids. Big Ben. Uh, we <laughs> s- you we saw Big Ben, Big ben yeah. from the Shard uh-huh. and that famous little bridge. I don't know what's called London Bridge. Maybe uh, London Bridge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did, did you go into the Tower of London? Did no, you we, tour? we topped the Shard and saw Buckingham Palace. So we saw it all from the top, and we're I like, "Ah, oh, we're good." Any of this? 
<laughs> I just remember traffic. I remember being really disappointed at oh, traffic. Yeah. And, yes, yeah, we, traffic. we were navigating <laughs> navigating the subway system. We're like confused and getting lost. Oh, and I it's remember in that. our technically native language. Yeah. And then there was these different foreigner groups. We were just jealous at their ability to like look at a map and like know where to go. Yeah, we were we're lost. Worthless American tourists. I mean, <laughs> ugh. I mean, at least like when it, so we spent some time in Korea too, and I fe- I think it was shortly after. Oh, time, I still like, I still live in Korea. Oh, really? Uh, Seoul. Yeah, yeah, I lived in, lived in Seoul. I lived on uh, France, the Yongsan uh, military base when it was there. My mom was in the army for twenty two years. Oh, okay. damn! Because e- uh, yeah, moved e- all over the place. Itaewon. We went. Uh-huh. We went. Yeah. Spent some time in Itaewon, there. Itaewon. Yeah. Yeah, um, dude. So, like, but like reading those bus maps, I, at least I felt justified because I'm like, these are. I don't even know what these characters are. Yeah. Um, let's just jump on this one. This, see this what looks takes like Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> TK. One of my, I got a lot of fun baseball memories, but one of my favorite oh, is yeah. traveling with Luke to South Korea and Seoul, and we had yeah. to go to a baseball game, mm-hmm. and yeah. they took. It was awesome. The fan experience. One, you can bring your own beer into the stadium. Yeah, Castle and Soju. And Soju, oh, oh. and to the. The fans. So it was like a soccer game. So in, in yeah. the U.S., we like sit down when our pitcher or batter needs to focus. Here, it was like drums, yell leaders. Yeah, it clap was sticks. In, or uh, but, but that's like um, that's like uh, going to a soccer claim in Europe. Like right, I, right but baseball. No, I, I <laughs> yeah. know. But like uh, when when I went over and I did that commentating thing for NFL Europe. They had like these like whistles and these things, and people were cheering, oh, did, yeah. like completely fucking confused. I'm like, God damn it! Like these, like, like, but they they didn't even know the game. They were just showing up for the fucking party. Yeah, the the best part though in Korea Do it. was the seventh inning stretch. The players took it literally, and I'm not sure if you had an opportunity to go to a game, but during the seventh inning stretch, all the fans sat down and took a break. And then the players went onto the field, both teams together, and Doing started stretches. to stretch. <laughs> and we even saw guys light up cigarettes and just like take a smoke break on the field. And Sounds we amazing. losing our minds. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I went to um I lived in Japan. I was working on Pro Rugby Team in Japan for like three months. And in Tokyo, we went to a Tokyo Giants game. And it was the same thing. Like people were beating drums the whole time. I'm I'm so drunk. I'm so, <laughs> I'm like I'm like I'm like trying to chant in Japanese. Like, <laughs> well, in Japan they sell beer in the vending machines. Like that blew my fucking mind. When we were in Japan and like they were selling beer in vending like machines. on the street. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like there's vending machines with beer in them. Dude, TK, where else have you been, man? You seem like a well-traveled dude. Um, I've been to Barcelona, Brussels. Um. Beijing and South Africa and Amsterdam. All right. All, all for oh, Denmark. Denmark too. All for training, coaching, and work. Uh, no. So some of it. So South Africa and China, which was because my, uh, my mom, my mom's jobs are just there. And then Amsterdam was also work because my mom's work. And then Spain, Brussels, and Denmark was just like Backpack. vacation. Spain, Spain was Spain was going to FC Barcelona, uh, presented there, and then. Brussels and Denmark was just like vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were for, we've been fortunate enough to travel a little bit with our previous hustle, which we were working with CrossFit to do seminars. So like as CrossFit gyms were popping up in all these yeah. countries, we were going out there and we were teaching them. You know this. Okay, you don't want to just fitness these athletes to death. If you get rugby, soccer, you know, mm. actual don't field do fifty sport air squats, four hundred meter runs, yeah. or one hundred and fifty wall balls for time with a ten pound med ball. What do you mean? They're, they're <laughs> practicing. They're catching. No, they're they're exercising. 
<laughs> but so we would go in and be like, you know, kind of the system that sounds like is in play now with you guys in Houston is it's you, you should be banging heavyweights and running really fast. Yeah. It doesn't like regardless of the sport when these kids are coming in, yeah. you know, but in doing that, we got to see a lot of the places, man. It sounds like we were in kind of similar stomping grounds because those were the those were the areas that we ended up in. Right. So that's cool, dude. What's we got? You ever bang weights and just show up the rest? Is it a strong staff? Or do you show uh, athletes with heavy squats? On, on the, the squat, I'm basically one trick pony. That's, <laughs> like basically, I'm pretty much just deep, just get a bat squat in. Just a squat. Cause I, my femurs are like this long. Like, I was like, like a like a foot long. Like it's squatting easy. You want me to bench? <laughs> eh, it gets a little more sketchy. You want me to deadlift? I have a, I have a back there like broken glass. It feels like I can't pull from the floor to save my life. <laughs> I got that. I got that deadlift allergy too. I think. <laughs> I actually, but I don't even have the squat. Like I got, I got nothing going for me. I'm washed up. I think. In the weight room, yeah, boys. you did. What, what happened? You just kind of termed Listen, injuries John, rehab. Here's the thing. Let mm-hmm. me tell you about the. You know, everybody loves a great comeback story. You know, everyone loves a great comeback story. So all I'm doing is digging myself a little ditch. Ah. You know, and then we're if this were a romantic comedy, I'm in the period where like I'm lost. The love of my life is out there. I think she's gone forever. And then you know what's going to happen? We're going to cross paths again. And we're going to spark up that fire. And next thing you know, I'm going to be pulling 550 for 10. <laughs> so, uh, so you're saying that, like, your training kind of spirit animal is the movie Serendipity? I'll take, yeah. Okay, let's go with it. Okay. So it's a little Cusack rom-com. Okay, all right. That's where I'm at. Uh, Luke needs some help. He, I, like, I think you've gone too far saying this. Uh, I'm feeling great. <laughs> I'm feeling great. <laughs> I'm out of pain. It's been like, so I, I, I would regularly wake up, I'd say seven days a week for about two years, I would hurt. And now that I'd say oh, the past, time. yeah, the past 30 yeah. days are finally, I'm, I wake up and I'm not in pain. Oh. So I'm okay with it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Like emotional pain? Could be. Uh, uh, TK. TK. That's, that's Just tears. Tears. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Every damn day. Uh, TK. Into, deal with you <laughs> fucking assholes. <laughs> He's like, let me ask some fucking baseball questions. TK, <laughs> did, they, did the Astros seek you out for your wide array of sports? Because I, I imagine the training looks more like athletics and sports mm-hmm. and lifting and sprinting. Did the... This, the team, the staff at Houston, seek you out for your range of experience with different sports? No, so it's funny how I ended up with the Astros. So I was coming back to the U.S. and my visa had run out in uh, England. Literally the case of, I, I don't know, I was like, okay, I'd rather go back to the States like with the job. <laughs> so I was applying for roles, uh, saw the Astros audition come up, working in double A's. I was in double A my first year. And um, I was like, I have zero baseball experience i haven't watched a baseball game in years i was like but kind of fuck it like let's what they can say is no <laughs> so i apply i went through the whole month-long process um of it like different tasks like do a video coach a speed session i think the my background in training and coaching had definitely helped a lot because the i knew director down and just come in like maybe six or seven months before that and so he was going that way and, and changing the way he, things have been done before and so it was almost like a right timing kind of thing because I was coming in with some of that background already of like coaching speed sessions and just general training. Like we can lift heavy, we can lift heavy, we can lift heavy, jump high, run fast, and no one explode. And so and that kind of helped. Them. It was just right place, right time, like stars aligned essentially to get me kind of through the process of getting a job. 
So what kind of research did you deep dive to understand the dynamics of baseball? Tommy, Tommy uh, John Rehab, what are, yeah. what are some examples of things that you deep dove? Uh, Tommy John, so Conte Sports Therapy, I think, is the company that actually did some of that stuff. Um, looking at shoulder health, like IRER, uh, strength, like deceleration of the arm, the throwing, uh, some pelvic rotation work with that stuff done by uh, Zach Deccan at TCU with a lot of his work and uh, look at some crazy stuff as well. And then also I downloaded to of uh, the MLB games from YouTube and watched them on the entire plane ride back to the States. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, best, best way for me to learn is like just to look at it as much as possible and fully understand all the moving parts that are occurring on a baseball game, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Epic. Well traveled. Got a well, couple I'm... training questions, very popular questions among youth. Specialization. So I, I want to go a couple routes. First, specialization. What, what, is the, what do the Astros look like? Do you have multi-sport athletes or do you have baseball players? And do you see any problem with specialization based off where it leads to prof the professional level? We as an organization, I would say, have more, well, even on pitching side, actually, I have a decent amount of like, multi-sport athletes. But I go back and forth on specialization. Some of it's a high-skill sport, like like a baseball. Sometimes it's better to specialize from a skill perspective. But I think when you get the idea like multi-sport, it's like, they're elite athlete, like they probably play every sport because they're really the best athlete. Every coach wanted a piece of them. So I kind of go back and forth. I say as an or, we're probably 60-40. Like sorry, 60% of our guys are like specialized, just play baseball their entire life. The other 40%, it's just the American players, obviously. The Latin guys basically all just play baseball. Yeah. And uh, the other 40% is probably more guys who play multiple sports. So we have we have one pitcher, he has like a 40-inch vertical, and he's like 5 foot 10. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, Send it. <laughs> so you got like a basketball court at the facility or opportunities for other guys to get out of their comfort zone, a pool? Oh, I wish I wish we had a pool. We do have a basketball goal, though. We do have a basketball goal. And we have some, uh, uh, like, toy footballs. So what that is, we got, I got uh, frisbees as well. Man, imagine. Like, as, as a training tool, just to kind of get them, get them thrown differently? So, so sometimes we'll play, we'll, we'll do like alternate frisbee as like part of a warm up, okay, and okay. do like a warm up, something like that. So, it's, so it's fun. Guys like it. Yeah. Guys, everyone gets super competitive all of a sudden once the alternate frisbee. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's yeah. fun. Then the the Tommy John question. So a few years back, when John Smoltz was inducted into the Hall of Fame, he made it a point mm -hmm. of his Hall of Fame speech to call out parents who were making selective surgeries for their their youth pitchers to get Tommy John. So if it is yeah. inevitable, these parents were getting out of the way when they were 13 to 18 years old so they could not even worry about it later in their career. What's up, one, what's up with that from a parent well, doing that? Well, I was that? gonna ask, like, once you have the surgery, it, it alleviates it and doesn't, and, and it can never come back? Or can you, like, I've, I'm totally uneducated. I know it's attended, I just don't know enough details about it. Oh uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty rare. Once you have it once for you to do it again, because usually they replace it with like a hamstring, so it's just a much stronger uh, tendon there. So, I mean, I think that's a terrible idea. I think <laughs> I think getting pre I think getting preemptive surgery is such a is such a bad idea. Because like there are some cases, there are cases where guys don't 
Blade's never have it. It's that's the weird thing about Tommy John. It almost seems so random in that sense. Like some guys who will get it and they may get it early. Other guys may never have it at all. Some guys get it get late in their career. I think if you had to choose, ideally you want guys to get it in that like early to mid stage of their career, so they're not missing out on big league time. But if they get it in the big leagues, nothing can really do about it beforehand. Is it like well, a throwing? I mean, is it the throwing motion, or is it something like? Is it a volume issue? Is it a mechanics? Like what? Because uh, you said some people never get it, or is it just mm-hmm. fucking luck of the draw? Sometimes luck of the draw. There are some. There are some pitches that have been slated that lean more towards likely to have caused more Tommy Johns. Like a slider is a big one that that gets like gets a lot of heat for more likely causing Tommy John because of the angle of the elbow. But I have no. Rotation. I have no moving in my arms. I can't even. I can't really even like pretend the arm perform that same kind of slot. But that's the pitch that takes the most kind of heat and most flat for like causing Tommy John. But some of it is just pure like a draw. Have you had a position player that did it, or was only pitchers mostly? Oh, uh, we have one. We have one. It's like seven, seventeen, eighteen year old. Who got it? Who like was throwing? Was throwing? Was trying to throw from? He got it on like on his own, like playing around, trying to throw from center field to uh, to home as hard as he can, randomly for no reason. And that's how he got it. But other than that, you don't really get position players who get it. It's gonna suck. Yeah, and like <laughs> that's also sounds like a bet. Someone dared him. Like someone did it better. He's like, I'm gonna smoke you. Oh shit! Yeah, um, I'm gonna be standing at the backfield wall, and I'm gonna throw it to home. Yeah. fucking one yeah. hop. Yeah, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year that did it. Funky butt loving. <laughs> oh, what was that kid's uh-huh. name? I can't. Uh, God, I, that's one of my favorite movies. Really? Yeah, dude. You put I, that I, on a favorite list, I, I, dude. I thought it was so funny <laughs> for the fact that like, uh, who was the the weird dude with the mustache? Uh, uh, the dude from Home Alone. Yeah. 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 What's his name? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the Wet kid. Bandit. Yeah. The, the, the Sticky Bandits. <laughs> no. Oh, no, no wet, wet Bandits started, but then they were Sticky Bandits in Home Alone too. I think. Ah. <laughs> TK, you know what we're talking about here at all, or is this good? All right. Well, you were probably <laughs> you were off traveling the world, going to baseball games in Japan while we were do, watching Home Alone. Yeah, and Rookie of the Year. Do do baseball players like acknowledge baseball movies, or is it just for us saps in the stands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all they reference to baseball movies, and sometimes I get flack if I haven't seen it. And I was just like, God, like, just let us down every day sometimes. <laughs> uh, dude, I always I mean, thought that the Kevin Costner one where he's like the old pitcher. Uh, oh, for love of the for game. For love of the game. Like, Feel, isn't Field the Dream? Well, Field the Dreams yeah, was also a great. My, I would yeah, call that a baseball movie as much as maybe just a, a heartwarming uh, coming of age flick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Terrence Mann. <laughs> but like, I didn't want to play how, catch with my dad anymore. How yeah. am I uh, major. Major, Major League. League, right? Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's got to be yeah. the staple baseball movie. Well, wild thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> Luke, Luke uh, Major League is as accurate to probably Major League Baseball, and I'm speculating, as every given Sunday <laughs> was to the NFL. I remember I saw it any given Sunday, and my parents looked at me, and I was like, God, I hope I play on this team. This looks like a fucking great time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, probably how accurate Hackers was to hacking. 
Are you calling yourself a hacker? No, I'm just saying. Oh, he's a hack, John. Oh, what? Oh, are you jamming me? What does that mean? Are you you sent Burn Ban off. Do you know what you've done? Oh, uh, don't. Do you worry, know what dude. you have done? You you're going out of town next week, and we're recording. Oh, we're gonna bring down a fucking. You're gonna have to get a binding resolution from the United Nations to keep us off your TK, ass. TK, next question. Dear Lord, forgive him for what he's done. Uh, <laughs> I gotta ask about training feet. So we we've had a, a couple amazing podiatrist, foot doctors, Dr. Emily Splitchall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on and really enlightened us on a lot of key things that we can integrate and add to our training. So we have some friends that were formerly in professional baseball in the, the, the coaching ranks and strength ranks mm-hmm. and rehab ranks, and they said feet is not acknowledged during their time, and this is several years ago, so I'm curious, has this made its way into training and rehab we're focusing on developing arches and foot strength and so on. To be candid, like not really talked about it here and there, but the hardest part is like finding where it can fit amongst mm-hmm. other amongst like other things in training. Like that's like the biggest issue with it. Like trying to want to take all these other boxes first and then add on top of like something like doing doing more stuff like the foot, trying to develop arch or even like heel raise. I call like heel raise stuff. I don't necessarily do it with guys um, without their shoes on. I usually will keep will keep the shoes on just from like a liability kind of point of view and things like that. But mm-hmm. that's the hardest part we find with foot stuff is just finding a time and a place to like implement it within training. Yeah. If you were to so now on that point, if you were to organize almost a hierarchy of things to focus on, what what's number one and two and three and down towards where feet is you don't have that opportunity or time. Um, some of it depending on the level. So I also start from like, if they're like a specialized in guy, it'll be more like power, repeat, repeat power, jump, speed, more than that in, like throwing med balls. And then secondary to that would be them working on like strength. And then I'll just go down the line of like movement, qual- like, like movement, mobility, if that's, that, that's like an issue at all for them. Then to like, feet will probably fall into that kind of realm. There's like there's three tiers of it. And if it's a development guy, the bottom tiers will stay the same, but they'll flip-flop strength and uh, speed. So speed and power become secondary because for them, they'll see increases in speed and power just the fact they'll get stronger. Yeah. And then for our foundational guys, it'll be more of bracing, uh, general control, body control of body weight. So there's some of our foundational like kind of capacity and strength stuff is simple like push-up testing plank testing alternating limb lift assessments and stuff like that uh inverted rows which is body weight and like can you control your body weight first before we add a barbell on your back because mm-hmm. i just said so we can get you pretty strong before we do that stuff then like let's ride that ride that to the wheel falls off eventually and then then we'll add on more loads so we can constantly kind of progress and uh, steadily kind of increase as opposed to throwing kind of like too much stimulus too soon so we can never go backwards from it. Nice. A couple COVID questions. Ooh. So you began spring training and it was business as usual and then we're hit mm-hmm. with this one, I don't even know how long it's been. But well, uh, Do you remember they closed yes. the bars on a, <laughs> uh, for St. Patrick's Day? Okay, so, man. Those bastards. It was, dark, it was a dark day in Texas, TK. So March 17th is when everything shut down here. Well, uh, that's officially the way I remember it because we could not go to the bars for St. Patrick's Day, which is like the first St. Patrick's Day I've missed. Like, dude, I was undefeated on St. Patrick's Day for like years. I had a great time down here. 
Yeah, it was fine. Watch Boondock Saints. Yeah, but, but we didn't have any games. fucking bouncers to fight. Like, yeah. uh, no. Nate was pushing you around. I don't know why you didn't. <laughs> now, <laughs> now I know you're high. So then, so we had this span, and it, Verlander's facing off tomorrow. What kind of things did you do to make sure he maintained his peak throughout this? Did you go into a little off-season? But then you also didn't know how long this would last. So what was your mindset and approach or your your take on players? You don't have to speak to an individual, but in preparation and making sure they, they peaked when they're ready. Essentially, we kind of treated it like an off-season. We kind of just went backwards. Like, hey, like we'll wind down a bit and we'll slowly just ramp back up. So really, our assumption was nothing will happen Nothing would happen by May. But like worst case scenario, our worst case scenario if we had kind of idea was like late June, obviously extended to late July. But that was kind of so. Then once we got to that end of May, and like the May period when we started more like a preseason, like now we're starting to ramp back up. We can add in some more intense training, add a bit more like, like running for especially for our position players, getting like any kind of conditioning to do speed and things like that. And then from a throwing side, tracking the pitchers throwing, like, like almost like an acute chronic. So like our major league assistant strength coach, he handles all the pitchers. And so basically what he's done is made like an acute chronic sheet. And he was like tracking their, like their throwing load. And they were just reporting to him like, oh, I threw off a mound today. I threw 30 pitches, stuff like that. Just having a, a running sheet on Excel that he made for that. Just that way you had some, you had some idea of where guys were. And then there were cases of guys who – they were places they were living at, or they went back home and they were in full lockdown, couldn't even like go to a park or throw or anything like that. Maybe their back goes and they just had to take It's got to need a bit longer because he hasn't thrown in maybe two months. Mm-hmm. That's never happened. It hasn't happened to him since a year ago. So like, let's take that time and we know let's build him all the way back up really slowly. Luckily with baseball, they're going at the 60 man kind of roster of like a, a training squad, we call it like a taxi squad. And so you can put those younger guys in from the pitching side to help protect if you have older guys who maybe haven't been able to throw because maybe it's someplace they were super strict and they couldn't go out go out anywhere to throw baseball. So is this, is this like a big opportunity for the young guys then? For like, yeah, up, like upward upward mobility? Oh, yeah. So like, wow. some of our young guys uh, pitch in our exhibition games against uh, Kansas City just like the last two days, and like they, someone threw, someone threw really, really well. One guy struck out a side who was with, who was in Double A the year before. And he was active for forty minutes offseason. He struck out a side. He, was, and he, and he came in, so three batters up, three batters down, and so that was great to see for him. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. I guess silver lining of the whole thing is some of these young guys to taper taper that load up or coming in to fill the gaps. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Position player side, similar like guys coming in and stepping in the outfield and the infield and stuff like that. Also, so that's that's really, really kind of the cool side for those guys that they to, to wear like an Astros jersey in yeah. like a big league game. Well, um, what are they doing for the uh, like for the games? Are they letting like is it like fifty percent of the crowd come in? Because I I just read something yesterday. The NFL has three solutions. It's either like play it as is. 12 games starting in November with half the stadium full or three was canceled the fucking season. So, like, I, I wonder for Major League Baseball, I mean, they're doing 60 games. Are they, uh, like, reducing the amount of people in the stadium uh, or no fans? Or Yeah, as of right now, it's still, like, no fans uh, at all. So. Wow. 
the Astros, I don't know, this may be for every team, but I got the emails that if I donated 100 bucks to their said charity and sent them a photo of me, like, cheering or something, they put a cardboard cutout of the fan, me, in a seat in the outfield. So, like, when they have the home <laughs> game on TV. Did you do this? No. What? What? I'll check. Yeah. There's still time. <laughs> it will donate one hundred dollars to. Well, let's the, just get a bunch of people in power athlete shirts to do it. Oh, okay. then Dude, yeah, you can wear sit uh, together. They they do have rules and guidelines of your photo. Uh-huh. Um, so no nudity, lame. Yeah, <laughs> no gang signs, no middle fingers or anything. So what? Man, <laughs> well there goes all my poses. <laughs> but I, I I can't believe that uh, you just didn't do it just to. <gasps> Let's yeah. get. Let's take a picture of Nate and put Nate in the oh, outfield. N- uh, Nate's our L.A. Dodgers. Uh, I was fan, thinking what would be better is if we took a picture no, but that's of you, part but of the we rules. photoshopped a baby in that looks like Luke, and you're holding him. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe okay. breastfeeding. But, him. So one of the rules is you have to be rocking Astros gear. Okay. So we have to make Nate wear yeah, an Astros uh, jersey. We no got problem. Photoshop. I can make him. Yeah, we. Yeah, I, good, uh, I can fucking sure. Photoshop yeah. a dick on anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. It's true. And anything, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm pretty good on photoshopping people. You need a dick on a toothbrush? John's your guy. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's how I cut my teeth. That's how I earned my bones. Photoshopping was putting dicks on people. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, this one, one, that one spun out of control. Um, <laughs> well, I guess we're kind of coming up on time here, TK. Uh, Tex, do we have anything else for him? No, man. Hey, well, thank you, man. That was awesome. Enlightening. Great to connect, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you ever out oh, in thanks, Austin thank area? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. I, my, mom, my mom lives in Dallas, so I'm, I'm always in Texas at least two, three times a year. Well, let's link up, dude. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So I, I come out to the out. ranch. We know oh, yeah. that he likes to drink beer, so, I mean, we're in. Uh-huh. We, we like to we drink beer and happen. probably like some barbecue. That's right. Oh, 100%. Awesome, dude. TK, yeah, like the guy said, thanks for your time. Thank you, Power Athlete Nation, for listening to another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ing. Ing. I-N-G. I'll take that. I'll take that. And go Astros. Yeah. Take care, TK. See you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can follow TK on Instagram under the handle at tkennelfizprep. And before we say a goodbye, here is a bit of the show that didn't quite make it into our conversation with TK. Oh shit! You know what I forgot to ask him? Huh. Walkout song. Can we, John? You got a walkout song? For what? Baseball. Wild thing. You would walk out to Wild Thing. Oh, you. What do you mean walkout song? <laughs> so every at bat, players get the opportunity where they blast a song over the the speakers, and you mm-hmm. can pick any song you want. Or in the pitcher, say you're a reliever, you come in, you got Enter the Sandman going as you sprint from mm-hmm. the bullpen to the the mound. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what would be your John Wellborn walkout song? I know, song? he's told me. Oh. It's my milkshake brings all the boys to you. <laughs> God, that would be epic. I mean, would be. That's what you've said. You've uh, told yeah, me that well, multiple I mean, times. Uh, actually, it's my ringtone when I wake up in the morning. Uh-huh. And that's uh-huh. how I pop out of bed. Yeah. Mine is uh, uh, Taylor Swift, wait, uh, Wake Up. Wake Up, Wake Up. That's the only lyrics I know of Taylor Swift, Wake Up. And that's uh, what you're going with? I'm going with? with Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. This, uh, how about no diggity? Oh, you got okay. me with that Montel Jordan. Yeah. No, uh, wasn't uh, no diggity. Was uh, no, Montel? it's not Montel no, Jordan, that's, but that's um, the same, I'd that's say the same uh, genre. Black, uh, black Sheep? Might be. 
Black, Black Street? Black Street. Yeah. Black Street. Black, that, that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Black the, Street. No diggity. I would go drum, Phil Collins drum solo from In the Air Tonight. So just right. The one that the monkey plays? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Have you seen the Phil? You've had to see In the Air Tonight. Gorilla plays the drums. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. a man in a costume? What if about this makes it, go to YouTube. Gorilla plays... Gorilla drum solo in the air tonight. It's the uh, best. I think the the only other two songs that I would even entertain would be Miley Cyrus Wrecking Ball oh. or <laughs> Miley Cyrus Party in the USA, I which like to this day is still one of my favorite songs. Oh, that yeah, that guitar riff to lead off the song is pretty good. All Dude. right, we got to get out. The, our All poor right. listeners, if this even makes it. Uh, okay, enjoy. See you. Enjoy the show. Bye. Bye.